0: Welcome to Mental Health is Wealth. I'm your host, Antoine Wilbon, and today's show will be discussing ways to support someone with mental health challenges. Welcome to Mental Health as Wealth. I am your host, Antoine Wilbon, and today we'll be talking about supporting someone with mental health challenges. And this is something that affects everyone, all families, doesn't matter <laughs> your economic status. It doesn't matter your age, gender or anything of that. class level does not matter. Education does not matter. Mental health is a part of the human condition. And a, a lot of times I know that people have like stigmas placed on mental health. And, and sometimes people feel. That it's different from a medical condition, but it is a medical condition. It is something that takes place within our body, and there's things that goes on with the mind that we cannot always just rush over or think that something's wrong with this person or they did something wrong. Some things are genetic, some things are environmental, and some things are both. I remember, and I can give an example of like how it was in my life as coming up, and I can give an example of. Uh, Two of my cousins, well, one of my cousins and my uncle. My cousin, he was older than us. I I would say my grouping of cousins, he was maybe, he was a teenager when I was a little kid, and he witnessed my aunt, his mother, being killed when it happened in front of the family, whereas his dad committed the, the act. And dad went to jail and mom was gone. But him being the oldest of that sibling group, it affected him mentally. And it was something that where I never known my cousin to have received any type of mental health. I think he had been hospitalized a few times as he got older. And I know that he self-medicated with marijuana and other drugs during that time. And you're talking about the late 70s, early 80s. There wasn't a lot of support for him. He was close to adulthood. And I think his quality of life was always hampered. He tried living with different family members. And I think he eventually was able to kind of get off on his own. He was able to get married. He was able to have like a, you know, somewhat of a a, a normal adult life. He did have disability insurance and things of that nature. But it was a thing of, my cousin was a supremely talented person. He He was super, super handsome. It's a funny thing that he actually looks like Rick James. Very funny, very kind. But when he went through his bouts, he would hear voices and he would become somewhat aggressive. But he would never do anything to any of the kids. He would never do anything to anybody in the family. He would just have that stigma around him. And as coming up as a as a child, I was sometimes afraid of him because I didn't understand what he was dealing with and and what that meant. No one sat down and explained to me that my cousin had encountered something such as severe watching your father shoot your mother and you lose both parents in that one act. And that in its own right will be traumatic for anybody. I don't care who you are. I don't care how strong you are. That is supremely traumatic. It's at the top of the food chain. And I would say no one explained that to me. And I felt that I could have had a closer relationship with my cousin if if someone explained to me that he's okay, this is just what happened to him. And as I've gotten older as an adult and I became a therapist and I've started my own agency and I'm dealing with, with this all the time, I understand what my cousin was going through, but I also empathize about the time that I lost with him, how the family could have embraced him more. But it wasn't like a thing of like it is today where people are promoting mental health and they're promoting getting help and services. Whereas back then in the late 70s, early 80s, it, it was like you were stigmatized. People were afraid of you or people talk behind your back or they would say, hey, you know, he has that thing or this is what's going on with them. But No one ever really addressed it. I mean, a lot of times people would try to go to church more, or they would tell you to go to church more, or they would just avoid you as you become older. And I think that my cousin had that situation because he wasn't he wasn't even that much at the time he wasn't that much. He was he was maybe a couple of years or so younger than my own mother. So it's a thing of you just feel for my cousin and that and it's like I do recall losing that time and understanding that. And the other incident or situation that I also noticed, like and these are extreme situations, is my uncle on my dad's side. My uncle, when my dad passed away, that bothered him severely because of the circumstances surrounding my dad passing away. It really it really bothered my uncle to the point where he had the same circumstances as my cousin and he was hearing voices. He also was actually really physically aggressive to people who were, I would say, aggressive towards him. He was never aggressive toward my grandmother, nothing of that nature. But if someone threatened my grandmother, he would definitely become aggressive. He also self-medicated with marijuana. And he was a handsome guy. He was extremely handsome. Look more like Terrence Howard. I would say he's like a, a Terrence Howard lookalike or Terrence Howard looks like him because my uncle's older, but he's very handsome gentleman and never had children. And he mostly stayed with my grandmother or towards the end of his life. He passed away years ago. He resided in an assisted living program, but his quality of life, it was almost like a thing of, here I am with this uncle who is the last of the males on that side of the family. And I was not able to bond with him fully because a part of me was also, during that time, I was afraid of him and I didn't understand why he acted that way. But he would always hug me. He would always be kind to me. and He was very loving to me. But the things that he would know about the family and things that he could have passed on to me, I, I, I missed that part of our lives, of not understanding mental health as a child and as a teenager during that time. And I would always want families to to think about like things like that that happen in their own families is that we have to learn about mental health. And it can be confusing, particularly by bystanders, like people who are looking from a distance saying, what's wrong? with What's going on? And I would almost ask people to educate themselves, like go to the National Alliance on Mental Illness it's an excellent resource for families that you can able, you might be able to even find support groups or someone who can kind of sit down and give you more information on what's, what's going on with, with your loved one or yourself. And then the thing of avoiding stigmatizing mental health. Mental health conditions are no different from, from other health conditions. Your loved ones didn't choose to struggle with mental health issues and he or she can't Will the condition away. Don't make someone you love feel ashamed of a mental health challenge. Instead, encourage him or her to talk openly about issues as you listen without judgment. And the biggest thing is always providing people with a a judgment-free environment and being open and, and supportive. Listen and learn. People are not disorders or symptoms. They're unique individuals. And your loved one might not experience all of the symptoms. Research tells you he or she may have one thing or this thing. And it's like, just listen to where they're at. You know, you don't have to just say, oh, well, you're this. It may just be one thing that's affecting them or something that's bothering them. And that is the thing that you support them on. Like assist your your loved ones with seeking help. Mental health conditions don't typically go away on their own and your loved one, deserves excellent help therapy going to a specialist if the person you have is say anxious about seeking help offer to make the first call for them or even go with them to their first session a lot of times i think that people will go to the doctor say your your knee hurts you'll go to the doctor for your knee but there's no stigma on that there's no something's wrong with me stigma if, if you go in for your knee But if you go in because you have something going on inside your mind, then that has a stigma on it. And I think that as a society, we have to become more mature and understand that the body is a total, the mind is included, and that we have to support each other in that way. It's like offer meaningful support. It's nice to say you care and want to help, but it's even better to offer specific, tangible assistance. If your loved one is overwhelmed at work, consider picking up the kids from school or if your siblings has trouble with focusing on daily tasks, offer to help by mowing the lawn or weeding the garden. When you reduce stress of everyday life, you make it easier for your loved one to concentrate on recovery. Support is everything. When you reduce the load of stress, it allows that person to be able to focus on The thing that's bothering them or they're able to focus in on the help and the recovery more, because when you keep piling things on top of people, it does not help the mind be able to get settled to focus on healing. So always good to support. I always say when you see something, help out, regardless if the person has a mental health issue or not, or if it's something, because it could be something that's acute. It could be something that's just for momentarily. So just such as like adjustment disorder, where it's just like for this moment in time, it may just be the changing environment. Let's say your kid went off to college and the first semester they were extremely stressed out because they've never been away from their family. That's when you send care packages. You, You might Visit more often. You might suggest friend groups and things like that for them. You locate relatives that are close to the university or college and see if they will visit and have lunch with them. But those are things that you can do by, by lessening the environmental things around them and also providing support with no judgment. I always say build upon their strengths. No matter how much your loved one is struggling, he or she has something to offer the world. Help your friend or family member celebrate small victories. For example, if your spouse experiences depression and has trouble getting out of bed, praise her for pushing through a challenging day. You might say, I know it's hard to go to work when you feel so sad, and I just wanted to let you know that I'm proud of you for pushing through. Make sure your praise is genuine and not patronizing. You don't want people to feel odd because you're like, oh, my God, you put your shoes on. Not like that. Like you're treating them like like they don't know anything or they're like the village idiot or something. You want to be more or less like, hey, you know what I mean? I saw that that was a tough moment for you getting out of bed and getting cleaned up and going to work because things have been tough at work and you're struggling with some things. Way to push through. Way to manage that and, and be genuine about it. It may not be specifically that thing. It might be something that bothers them. Maybe it was something that was going on with their parents or with, with someone that might be close to them. That they have to have a difficult conversation, but it maybe triggers them and they, they go ahead and have the conversation. And you say, hey, man, that was really good. At, that was a really good way to push through that, even though I know it triggers you and makes you feel that way. Super proud of you, and you know if you need you need to decompress and talk about that, then I'm here for you. You know those those are things that I think that understanding mental health and supporting you know what I mean. The other thing is keep your loved one safe. Your loved one's life and safety matters more than anything else. If you're worried that a loved one is in imminent danger, contact a suicide hotline or a mental health professional. People who threaten suicide or violence aren't just seeking attention. They're people in imminent distress who need and deserve immediate help. I always say take these things serious. Don't say this person is just trying to get attention. Stay with them, see where they're at, support them. If it's above your pay grade, ask for help, get help, assign a therapist, call a suicide hotline, do those different things. To, to support your loved ones when they're going through something or someone you don't, you don't even know. You know what I mean? You see someone going through something, you take a time out and you just say, do you need anything? Are you there? And be there for them. And also one thing that I always say that people do is that people are there for that initial crisis. It happened. Everybody was alerted. We were there in your face. It's not that time is great. You appreciate when people come to the aid at that highest moment. But the days in between, the moment to moment, it's the everyday support. It's supporting that person on a Wednesday in April. It's supporting them throughout until they're able to get a foothold on what's going on with them. And even when they get a foothold, you still support them. You wanna build on their strengths, you wanna build on their recovery process, And you always want to be loving to them during that. I ain't saying baby them, but be loving and try to keep educating yourself on that, on what's going on with them. As a CEO of a mental health company, I always say the therapists that are providing the services should always get therapy. I think that there's a therapist providing services to you. I would say, ask that therapist, when was the last time were you in services? And people may get offended by that. And if they are offended by that, that tells me that maybe they need to be a little bit more educated on their profession, because there's no way you can see tens of hundreds of people for years on end and not go talk to someone. Every therapist should be getting supervision. They should be getting therapy, and they should be able to change their oil, is what I call I say you need to get an oil change. When you go to therapy, it's like even if you don't have any like distressing things going on. I think that the human being and the human mind, if you're actively progressing, I think you either regress or, or progress depending on what you're doing in your life every six to 18 months. And I think that you should always get help or even just to be able to talk to someone about things that you're feeling things that you're working on, or I think you should go get a life coach. A life coach can also listen to what you're going through, but a life coach can also help you with strategizing your lifestyle, strategizing your next move, getting a business life coach. Those things can also help you with your career, your personal life. All of those things help with your mental health, but it also is a way of being proactive of taking care of yourself and what you want out of life. So I always say, go get help every few years every 18 months however you think you do need to do it but I don't think that you shouldn't get therapy I don't think you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, seek out a life coach if you don't feel like you're want to do therapy quote unquote that's why I'll say like if you have a therapist make sure that therapist is also getting has gotten therapy or is under the understanding that they should have their oil changed but no this was a thing that's near to dead in my heart because I have seen these things in my own family. And I think that people have gotten better with it. It's less of a less of a stigma, but I want it to be a thing where it's just actually part of what we do as human beings in these modern times is that we support people. We make sure that they get the support they need. And we also get it for ourselves because you can be living with someone with mental health issues and, and challenges. And the thing is, is that if you're supporting them all the time, and you're dealing with whatever they're dealing with, that secondhand trauma or that secondhand, like living in those circumstances, that also affects you as a person. And then I would always suggest that, Hey, you might need to decompress before you get stressed out or for you start to feel, you know, the, the symptoms of depression or being withdrawn or feeling like it's all about this person that, that I'm supporting. So it's a thing of let me get away and do something. Sometimes it's always good to like have something else going on in your life so that you can decompress from situations that that involve a high level of like support and you paying attention to that and learning a different skill set. Because supporting people with things going on in their lives, mental health challenges, it does take a skill set to practice because you have to be patient and you can't always just say, oh, you'll be all right, or you just want attention, or you're just fed up for the day because that means that you need to decompress and also so that you can come back with patience and kindness and empathy for that that person. So I hope this helps. I hope this gets everyone thinking about supporting someone with mental health challenges. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you.